thank you, Danny Elfman, for the intro there. And shout out to Shirley Walker, who was a composer to most of all the music on Batman the Animated Series, which is the television series we will be discussing on the rewatchers today. You will be getting a little double intro here as this is a live recorded lecture and screening series. It took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sundays in October 2017 at Moore College of Art and Design. Today we are discussing the season five-ish of Batman the Animated Series episode Old Wounds, written by Rich Fogel and directed by Kurt Geta. Before I go on, uh, I have a little bit of confusing info here. Considering I pay SoundCloud like 15 bucks a month to host this podcast, and I only record uh, the rewatchers once a year, I've decided to host another podcast here, and SoundCloud makes it so you cannot do this, uh, which is do this as in have two RSS feeds. So from here on out, the rewatchers is going dark until our next rewatch, which will happen sometime later in the fall of 2018 or winter of 2019. So stay tuned. And if you are into humorous podcasts, stay tuned for Two Hosts from Delco, a podcast I'm producing with myself and my best friend, Maureen Cummings. This will be a bi-weekly podcast that will be uh, clearly titled as such, where Maureen and I will discuss all things Delaware County through topic-centric episodes. Sorry again for the confusion. Did I say sorry already? Um, Well, sorry again. I blame SoundCloud and also not wanting to jam up or learn how to jam up my Google Drive storage. So thank you for listening on to Batman the Animated Series. Uh, You went from like cute little kitty to plucked rubber chicken to sickle. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, which you like? It was funny at the last round table with the kitty. You, it was on your lap the whole time, and I you were even like petting it. Yeah, I noticed. She was, she was my little friend. Mm. Okay, guys, let's. All right, let's do this. Uh, <clears throat> welcome to the round table. You made it. Uh, we just screened old wounds, and at the round table, what we like to do is take the episode and break it down. We like to talk about uh, technical things like animation. We're going to talk about costuming. We're going to talk about voice acting, and then we want to get into the psychology of the episodes, which Batman's like really good for. Um, we're going to talk about mental illness and feminism, and and they're not paired together for any like <laughs> way. It's just. It just happens that way. Um, and yeah, and oh, and duality is our other psychology that we get into. Uh, so uh, let me go around and introduce everyone. And I'm just going to go from my left to right. So, John McCabe, who lectured today. Yay! Oh, yeah. Wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, I also, the other rule is not to clap, but to either snap or do jazz hands. Because it blows out the speakers. Well, yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't sound good on the recording. And actually, like you know, there's like tens of us here, so it sounds kind of pathetic too. Thanks so, for the, thanks for the snaps. Yeah, snap it up. So John has a background in creative writing, and you also like teach uh, some creative writing classes, and you're really into the television writing theories. And uh, today you did a lecture on uh, final seasons um, writing. Um, tips on there and uh, this is also your third rewatch that you're doing with us so John McCabe I wanted to ask you uh, the one question as I introduce everyone is what is for today 
what is your favorite one-off villain from Batman the Animated Series? Just to get to know you a little bit better. Okay, so I, I really wish that I knew his name, but I don't off the top of my head. But the farmer who creates the giant bugs, for, for two reasons I, I love this, three reasons I love this farmer. One, because he has that amazing daughter slash hench woman who like can kick everyone's ass, including Batman and Batgirl. Um, two, because he looks like Kane from Poltergeist 2. <laughs> he does. And three, because he makes giant bugs. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> so yeah. he's my favorite one episode villain. Um, okay. Yeah. So wasn't that like, I feel like it's like a TV trope character too. Him and the daughter. Probably. Like Beverly Hillbillies or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, they were definitely very Beverly Hillbillies, but they were also kind of hee-haw. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah. Like. Who was Roy Clark? Who was Roy Clark? Well, I, mm, that would have been one of the grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the banjo. <laughs> um, Okay. Cool. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks. I always do that when, like, you two go in your spirals. I just, I just cut you off. Shut up, April. Um, all right. So <laughs> next, April Aguilard. Uh, April did a lecture on Catwoman uh, for season two, which was amazing. And uh, April has a background in history, uh, psychology, and law from from um, Temple University. So you, had, you were like you were making up your mind. For, <laughs> you were making up your mind for a few semesters before yeah. you went I made to history for a half a semester. <laughs> um, I believe it from Temple. Um, so oh, I don't know why I'm being so that vicious. Was, no, because it was a terrible. Place. That was a very calendar girl thing to say. <laughs> yeah, we never um, talk about best cosplay because it's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's okay. very easy yeah. one. It's a very easy one. She's sweltering in that mask. The mask sucks. Uh, so, uh, April, uh, what is who is your favorite one-off villain aside from Calendar Girl? Because obviously, I'm going to pick her. So, go ahead. Who's your favorite one-off? Roxy Rocket. Yeah, oh, Roxy Rocket. Roxy gives zero Fs, and I she love does. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, she's like, if we had to like do a um a feminist episode, that would for like season four, that would be like my feminist episode for season four. Because it's just like she just destroys all of those troops. Um, yeah. She's confident. She's crazy. She, like I said, she gives like zero Fs. Uh -huh. And I love that in the character. Well, and also we were talking about sexual, more sexual innuendos yeah. in season yeah. four. Yeah. And Roxy Rocket yeah. is super saucy. Pretty, pretty hot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So Roxy she Rocket. She literally rides a rocket. Good one. Um, all right, so, uh, hi, my name is Beth Heinley. I am a performance artist, comic book artist, and I curate and do, like, things like this. And uh, born and raised Philadelphia, what, what? And <laughs> I... That's not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically Delco. Actually, that's why April's on the panel, so you can compare a West Philly accent with a Delco accent and, like, try to, like, learn something. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, okay, so I didn't do a lecture because I'm, like, you know, I, I sacrifice not doing one because there's only four seasons of BTAS and there's four, you know, other panelists here. So it was my sacrifice. Um, but I, you, like, thanks, Beth. Yeah, I'm totally being sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> well, you did dress up for us. So, I mean, that counts. Yeah, I did, like, cosplays every week. And so 
my favorite one-off I'm cosplaying today is Calendar Girl. Is my favorite one-off um, villain. Uh, Calendar Girl, yeah, I mean, I feel like they talked, it really hit on, like, ageism um, with that episode. And also kind of one other arc of Batman's character development is, like, him dealing with himself aging. And it's part of, like, his human his own humanity. And I really feel like the Calendar Girl episode was, like, the first moment, like, where he was, like, it, you could, like, I mean, you could sense it when, uh, that he really related to that character in that way, thinking, like, oh, you know, because technically I think he's supposed to be 30-plus, mid-30s by season four, mm -hmm. and he's starting to think about, you know, how am I going to pass on the mantle of Batman? Can I keep on doing this? You know, so, and I feel like Calendar Girl really brought out that, you know, aspect of it. So, Calendar Girl, badass. On to Anne Cornell. Uh, yes. Hello. Um, <laughs> Yes, Nats. Um, Anne Cornell has, uh, this is your third rewatch as well. It is. Um, and Anne did seasons one, uh, the season one lecture for Batman the Animated Series, and you really broke down the psychology part aspects, um, talking about trauma and psychology with uh, the villains uh, throughout Batman, but you focused primarily on Two-Face and... Uh, we screened uh, the Two Face Two Parter from yeah. season one. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so and you have a background. You're in a newspaper editor. Yes. Uh, and uh, you're also an award nominated geek yourself yes. for your podcast, Not Nearly Nerdy Enough. Yes. So if you want to give a listen to that, anyone uh, co-hosted with James Myers, and you guys talk about everything like. Doctor Who yes. and Supernatural and uh, you know all throughout the uh, whole spectrum of nerdy stuff. Yes. So, uh, who is your favorite one-off villain? You know what, this one was tough for me because I think just uh, flat out most of my uh, favorite villains are the recurring characters. So trying to find a one-off is very difficult. I think you make a very good case for Calendar Girl. I think that there's a poignancy to her, which I, you know, kind of can be appealing with a villain. Like when you have that uh, multidimensional backstory, I think it's interesting looking at kind of the pitfalls of early success and fame, like kind of like Baby Doll, but maybe to a different degree. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I'll give a shout out to and it's just because she's voiced by Lori Petty but it's Livewire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Livewire, yeah. 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 Yes. That's like a, the when she's Metropolis starts yeah. leaking yeah. in. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's the Supergirl yes. and yeah. like they have a very interesting flying escapade with between Supergirl and Batgirl. And it's yeah. like, yeah. But basically like Batgirl like mounted by you know, Supergirl. <laughs> but, yeah, that was that was hot. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. hot. friends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know where to go with that one. I was like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I found Supergirl kind of annoying, but you know. Yeah, I, I had a feeling she was very influenced by Alicia Silverstone's Clueless, even though that was post Clueless by a few years, I yeah. think. So she does get better by JL Yoda. She yeah. does. Actually, oh, she has yeah. she's got a great JLU storyline. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, All right, fine. She's, she's no Whatever. Girl. You like Batgirl, so. I do like Batgirl. Um, Uh-oh. But you uh, don't like Batgirl? Yeah. Oh, Beth and I have had our How have we been talking about this? <laughs> I thought I made my case on Batgirl last week when I had feminism. And I was like, no. <laughs> Motivated by her father. Uh, not impressed. 
Also, yeah, like, I you have to, oh, wait, I have Batgirl costume today, and I'll get into it again. Okay, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that meant you flat out didn't like. I thought you were pointing the I'm annoyed, the I'm annoyed. And also, yeah. I, I wouldn't say, like, flat out don't like. I'm just, like, generally annoyed by Batgirl. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, John. That's okay. Because it would, like, you know, <laughs> I if I was shipping someone, I would, like, break my heart. I'd be like, no. Um, okay, Derek Jones. <laughs> This is gonna be um, yes, Derek Jones. Uh, oh man, we're getting some feedback. Yeah, and actually, it's kind of buzzing all around. Yeah. What do you have to do? Should we just move it? Should we just turn? Oh, it does it suck for you guys? Yeah, pull it, pull it back. Yeah. Well, this. I don't know how this works. I don't know. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Just turn it off. Fixed. Can we like that? Still recording. Boom. Oh yeah, we're still recording. We're recording off of the computer. Yeah. Uh, is that better, guys? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. All right, so Derek Jones did uh, the season three lecture last week. Snap, snap, snap. And uh, we screened Demon Quest parts one and two. Right. And Derek gave a lecture on Raish al Ghul and the duality between Raish and Batman. And, um, and in a discussion on Orientalism in relation to um, writing and themes throughout the Batman universe, and Derek has a background in history, also Temple University, woot woot, and uh, Derek has a podcast called The Midnight, yeah, Uh, Derek has a podcast called uh, The Midnight Myth, which is amazing podcast co-hosted with Laurel Hostack. They also did two Batman-centric episodes, and the way Laurel and Derek do is they break it down, and um, they through pop culture and storytelling, and they break down the storytelling, like giving a, a historical context and philosophical context. It's it, They break it up. It's amazing. Um, or as they say, they unpack it. You really unpack the story. Um, so without further ado, Derek, who is your favorite one-off villain from I'm, Batman the Animated yeah, Series? I'm, I was like crossing my fingers that no one else picked mine, so mine's the Clock King. Um, Technically not a one-off. Wait, yeah. he's only in... Wait, no, he's, he's... Oh, no, he's... Yeah. Am yeah. I blanking on he's it? Temple yeah, Fusion. He, he oh. comes back twice, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Then, never mind then. I just... Because then he does that, the, the time travel... Yeah. He, do, he does oh, the time travel gadget. Yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind then. I, um... It was the Clock King, because... He, well, I mean, that's why they brought him back. Yeah, Actually, they should have... <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a great choice. Well, because yeah. there's yeah. a... No, a, like you a, can't choose it. No, <laughs> <laughs> Mommy's strict. <laughs> well, I'm sticking with the Clock King, even though I Ooh, forgot... Damn it, nobody picked episodes. the Creeper. Yeah. He's not a villain, the though. Creeper. The Creeper, I was like, he's potential spinoff material with the Creeper. Know, but he's not a villain. He, he, like, he gets the patch, and then at the end, he's like, Batman's like, leave that patch on, or else you're going to turn into yeah. Creeper again, and Batman flies up, and then he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he's like. That was definitely, like, Chekhov's Nicorette patch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I like this. Um, all right, fine. All right, Clock King. At least I got to mention the Creeper. Okay. Right. So. <laughs> all right. the least creepy of all the, like. Oh my god, and he was like all over Harley. Like, he was so creepy. Yeah, the, the sexual harassment of Harley was creepy. That's yeah. true. Um, Dave Farmer and his daughter was even creepier. I, I agree. Oh, wait, I think he was, was a very creepy character. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Uh, Croc and Baby Doll, that's the creepiest. <laughs> that's pretty creepy. <laughs> it's like, how I does love, that even work? I all right, we're spiraling. Doll. Okay. Yeah, I'm, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right, we're going to start off with all the technical stuff in the episode. Yeah. So, um, 
let's start off with, uh, let's get into animation. Okay. Uh, you had animation, I Anne? did have animation. I know John kind of made my job a lot easier because you went over a lot of the well, beats that go. went up. I mean, the fourth season um, brought a marked difference in design. There's still the dark deco influences that we've talked about for the last few weeks. But, um, of course, with the change in network, the change in budget, they have, you know, changed the uh, design of the animation. A bit and it's very interesting when I was doing my research for this because any of the official articles that you read any of the recaps oral histories it all goes back to that like yes we had a new network we were changing the tone we wanted a cleaner design um, so that's why we made these changes and when you read any fan reactions message boards blog posts that if the you know main consensus is they made these changes to hurt me like there were so <laughs> many people who did not like the change and I was very surprised by this yeah. I, real, I, now, I will go with the Joker I think the Joker needs lips it just didn't you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like the redesign of yeah. the Joker yeah. but that was um, one of the few fails yes I so, did yeah. handsome Bruce Wayne memes all oh, this week on yes. my yeah. Instagram yeah. because I like yeah. I miss handsome Bruce Wayne yeah. and he's like with in the new animated series, he, yeah. he just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, the, yeah, the proportions <laughs> yeah, are a lot more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everyone like I am in the minority in it because I love <laughs> yeah. the blue eyed Bruce Wayne. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't no. like blue-eyed Bruce Wayne. Okay, no. yeah, yes. cool. Yeah. Everyone yeah. hates it except for April. <laughs> except for April. Yeah. Y'all can um, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Scarecrow was awesome. Scarecrow yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Scarecrow, I realized, is kind of a proto-Babadook, though. Like, like, oh, my God. When I was looking at it, I was like, oh, my he's God, so wait. He's like, he's yeah. like, yeah. Good I for realized him. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I actually, I did like the Scarecrow yeah, redesign. I thought it was great. I thought it matched the voice even better this yeah. time. I thought it, it definitely gave him a creepy feel. And I think the Scarecrow, for me, is one of the creepiest villains. Yeah, I think there is something incredibly scary about, like, having your own fears, like, you know, surrounding you mm -hmm. reflected back in yeah. reality so that's yeah. great um you know of course they made the penguin uh more human like uh but they had poison ivy was more plant-like and they actually made Catwoman mm -hmm. a little more animalistic which i was like so what are we talking about here maybe this is the feminism discussion but then they also made mr freeze like baby face like you know had just like a head and a metal spider body <laughs> so maybe that's you know, I shouldn't read too much into that for feminism. But yeah. <laughs> well said. Uh, yes. Well, you have feminism this this round. No, right? I, no, no I you don't. Okay, no, I have sorry. mental health and slash. Illness. Oh, whoops. Yes. I got confused. Oh, you got the twofer. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Such a bad feminist. Okay, on, so yes, but anyway, yes. all right, back on track. Yes. Um, but yeah, so yes, we have the uh, proportions were different. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's broader, they're more angular. It's definitely more exaggerated as far as, I mean, mm -hmm. even like Batgirl, you know, she's got the itty bitty waist and the round thing in your face, mm -hmm. so you can yeah. get <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all the cervix yeah. blood on there. It really does, yeah. It <laughs> comes through with that. Yeah, I don't want to get too and much into it, but like, yeah, the colors changed, obviously, Batman's utility belt. Uh, he went from having a lot of blues, the yellows in his costume, to a lot of grays and blacks. Mm -hmm. And and what else do I have? I mean, yeah, doing yeah. the eclipse emblem in animation, I imagine, would be really yes. annoying. Yes, Killer Croc completely changed. He went from gray to green, like a broader yeah. shoulders and leaner physique. Mm -hmm. And Matt Hatter was redesigned to look more like uh, Sir John Tenniel's uh, yeah. illustrations I didn't like in the Alice Man in Wonderland. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of people, so I don't know, I guess like going with the fans, like did we like the changes in season four animation or no? I liked how much cleaner it was, but this mm. was It was cleaner, like it was less yeah. choppy, it seemed yes. like. Um, 
I mean, eventually I didn't care because honestly the writing was like just as good yeah. and the stories were just as good. So then I would be like, I don't care. Yeah. Like I got over it really quick. Yes. I like the, the German expressionism aspect of it. Like a lot of it, like I said before, is, is very cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there are times when I would watch it and I would see Croc or Catwoman specifically and, and think, oh man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, like I said in my lecture, it's polarizing. Some people, yes. some people are okay with it. Some people love it. Some people really hate it. Yeah. Really, really hate it. So, I don't know. I like it because it looked more comic bookish. Yes. And, mm-hmm. like, when, when you have those action sequences in a later, um, like, in this season, as opposed to, like, the first couple of seasons, it's a lot smoother. Yeah. It's more visually appealing to me. Um, and I, I guess it's just more of a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it flowed a lot better when you have like that good writing and great action scenes is it looked like a comic book come to life. Yeah. So and that's what I appreciate about the animation in, in this season. Yeah. I thought the action scenes were a lot better in the season. Yeah. Than they oh were yeah. The they past. were a lot like, more I fluid. Were, yeah. Yes. There was a, yeah, it was a lot better than, yeah. In yeah. Then Harvey season. Dent sitting on a, yeah. on a desk and lunging like yeah. with his, like, like, I don't know. It was super weird. Yeah. Um, defying all physical law, like Newton right. is spinning in his grave. But I think, like, you defined it. Like, this ended up setting the stone for a Warner Brothers slash DC animated universe. Yeah. yeah. Whereas previous to that, it was a contained, unique style. Now, it wasn't animated as well, in my opinion, in the earlier three seasons. So it's definitely animated better, but that came out of the idea of creating a more, like, multiverse, Mm -hmm. more commercially friendly, Mm -hmm. more bring the comic books to life. So I feel like part of the soul of it definitely gets lost Mm -hmm. in the Switch. Yeah. Um, yeah. There actually, there's a really excellent um, animated episode that does all different forms of animation. Oh yeah, in season Legends four. Of the Dark yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is yeah, such yeah. a great episode. Such oh a my god. Episode. And it like dives into all the comic books yeah. and everything like that. And they do all these different animation styles. It's incredible. It's a so. great like montage slash homage. Good one-off episode if anyone's yeah. interested. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna. Are you good on costumes? Did you have anything else you want to add? I'm not. I'm oh, costumes. Yeah, are you costumes, good on animation? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I because like, yes. we were talking about like, costumes to a point where I was like, we should t- do. Yeah, because I didn't want to like, yeah, try it on the costumes thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like part of like the animation change. But I was like, we have a whole other topic for that. Okay. So yes, go for it. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's go with my um, yeah. <laughs> I said, please let go of my cape. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I had costumes. Yes. Um, and basically, I, I wanted to start off to talk about Nightwing's uh, costume, which today John is actually cosplaying as Nightwing yes. in a sweater. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got it at the Nightwing store. Um, but yeah, but uh, Robin's costume uh, is Dick Grayson. Robin is really like a rabbit hole of craziness. So let me just. From I mean, from the beginning, Bob Kane designed um, the original Robin suit, which is basically from when he was a flying Grayson in the circus. And he was just, it really Bob Kane though? Who knows? Actually, I mean, I as far Bob Kane was officially the illustrator, so I imagine, even though Bill Finger wrote everything, <laughs> but, most of the characters. So you asked oh, that question did? because okay. Bob took credit, yes. right? Yeah, yeah he did. Yes. He so, outsourced a lot yeah. of artwork, and he just basically took credit for it. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, understandable, and um, I know about it, and uh, <laughs> no, but when I was looking and this, shut up, when I, I know, right? Can you just please shut the... I'm uh, sorry, but no, because when I, I did specifically, like, okay. was like, oh, to get, like, more into this, but there is a lot of updating going on as far as still yeah. adding Bill Finger to the credits, so as far as I could research... Bob Kane is solely credited for Robin's costume, not Bill Finger, but it could be getting updated. Okay. Like, you know. So, anyway. What's that? <laughs> um, I mean, you know where you are. <laughs> anyway, the first appearance of the co- uh, costume was in Detective Comics, Comics number 38, April 1940s. Uh, so, let's see. And then the more, uh, the first Nightwing um uh, in the comics was uh, designed by George Perez, um, illustrator, and snap, snap, snap. And it had uh, the Nightwing's first costume from Robin into Nightwing. Had like he got rid of the cape. So one thing I learned: Dick Grayson hates capes. Mm. So as soon as like he was like retired from Robin, that was the first thing he got rid of. Um, and it has like a yellow stripe on it. Um, it's it's weird. It's what are you pointing at? Oh, okay. Um, So, any case, so that was that. So, back into, let's see, then we have Chuck Dixon and Scott McDaniel, 2005, which is the more contemporary Nightwing costume that we know. Right, yeah, we have a gentleman in the audience wearing it. Um, And also, oh, there's an origin from the Teen Titans storylines in the comics by Len Wein, um, an illustrator in the 90s. Which was like not as sleek as later versions of the Nightwing that we know in the animated series, but um, in any case, so if you're into that, anyway, um, so then on to that's all Nightwing. Anyone have any questions on Nightwing's costume? They want me I have, to. I have a question. Yeah. So the original Nightwing, the yellow Nightwing, yeah. is that is that based on the Kryptonian Nightwing? Do you know, like the. Um, Superman Nightwing? Yeah, one? no, I don't know. Okay. It I sounds don't think like. So, okay. Okay. Um, Sorry, that's a sidebar for me and you. Awesome. Later. Yeah. I'm glad I could uh, not answer your question. So, on to Tim Drake's Robin, because this is actually a Robin costume that is origin and designed by Bruce Tim. So, it's specifically from Batman the Animated Series. And it's basically cool. an updated version of the Robin costume, but he, ha- he has like black spandex underwear and <laughs> black boots um, nightwing and robin after dark yeah um yeah i mean yeah the underwear part is always like kind of awkward to me um but i guess like they gotta 14. wear it because otherwise it's 12 and it's, it's, night, a, like, it's right? well nightwing doesn't layer. have yeah. nightwing doesn't have like wear underwear on the outside of his yeah he's wearing yeah. like body armor yeah yeah, yeah. that's he's I don't so cool. can i interject for a second no <laughs> no, go ahead. Bruce Tim designed it. Bye. No, I was just saying that the okay. original um that was the um Tim Drake uh Robin outfit that they that ugh, when they created the series, they Bruce Tim used the Tim Drake Robin um costume for Dick. Because it was some weird It was for Dick? But... Um no, it was Tim's um it was it, with the long uh, green, as opposed to the shorty shorts, as the shorty shorts and the, yeah. the uh, Peter Pan uh, boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what I think it was like. So Tim Drake doesn't have 
the Peter Pan boots. No, Tim uh-huh. Drake, his original costume is what you see in the first season of the show. That's Tim Drake's, uh, that's his oh, costume. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. Neato. I just thought that was an interesting bit of cool. information. Cool. Yeah, very cool. That is cool. I guess so. Um, <laughs> and I'm Beth so, Heinle, I'm killer today. of wow. you, are so you know what? She's so much calendar girl right she now. Is. Yeah. I, uh, on to Batman. So Batman was uh, designed by and created by Bob Kane. And no, I'm just kidding. That was, that was just, I'm just fucking right there. <laughs> Go created by Bill Finger. Um, but in any case, uh, the in the animated series, uh, they kind of did like you were saying, like a Frank Miller version, and the updated. So it's like gray. They're not. The, they got rid of the Tim Burton emblem on the uh, bat suit. Um, again, back to to make it easier for animation. Um, and uh, there's no armor. It's uh, which uh, later Batman's like the, it's there's armor under the suit. Even the original Batman in the Detective Comics, like he was wearing it was like a spandex but bodysuit, but he had armor underneath. And this one, they show like different things because he gets scratched and cut a lot to mm-hmm. kind of give you a feel of the uh, material for the costume. Um, and then, I mean, that was basically all I have for the Batman suit. Uh, for Batgirl, uh, again, was designed by Bruce Tim for the animated series. Uh, now, it went through two iterations. Batgirl in the early animated series was like, had the gray and the blue, black offsettings. And uh, she's got a little uh, hole in the back of her cow to like have long hair because she's mm-hmm. Batgirl. Isn't that great? Yeah, thank God. People listening to this, Beth gave the most sarcastic face ever. (laughs) Also, you're like asking to get one thing you need to know when you get in a fight and you got long hair. You do not want people pulling that shit. Yeah, and it makes no sense that she has a whole cut out of her cow with her hair hanging out. It makes no sense. Technically speaking, I think you're correct. Okay, well, again, you're like totally stealing my fire because I was about to go into that, (laughs) April. What's that? Yeah. Because gingers yeah. are a rarity. Yeah. Um, and I was a dying bit out, confused so. in old wounds when, like, they, when, when, <laughs> like, extinct. Dick Grayson and Barbara were like, you're, yeah. I'm like, you didn't know? Great you guys, great detective powers, guys. You guys Batman really like this guy. Like, come on. Thank God he's got that circus trust fund to fall back on. <laughs> yeah, the circus trust fund. And gets the burn of the day. He was like, no, I'm not getting, you mean get a job? No, I have a circus trust fund. I'm going to be my own man. I've got a circus trust fund. <laughs> he's going to go to Cal College after. <laughs> Hold up, though. If we're going to talk about financial backgrounds here, I do want to. I really love the other Nightwing episode in season four that's like more spotlighted on him. And uh, you get to see, like, because he lives like in the city. Like, he doesn't yeah, have a bat a cave. Loft. Does he? Where yeah, he has uh, a loft. And I love, like, how, how they, like. Is he still in, in Gotham? Is he in Bloodhaven? Bloodhaven doesn't come oh, into the show. Okay. Yeah. Side note, um, I was listening to an. Um, interview with Chuck Dixon and Bloodhaven is actually um, influenced by Maniunk here in Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm totally serious. Oh, oh, Chuck, so oh we got Maniunk folk out here. He's, he's, from, he's, from, Philly. Wow. he's from Philly and he was like, 
oh, I was just trying to think of this like side neighborhood that's kind of like a part of the city, but not. And he's uh -huh. like, I'm from Philly. So, and he was like saying how you can't get to Maniunk off the highway. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, yeah, so Bloodhaven is Maniunk. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Everything okay. comes back to Philly. Yeah. It, it does. Was. But yeah. it's still like far from Camden, which is like. You he talks about Camden in this yeah. podcast too, okay. because he was, it was on uh, History of the Batman. If anyone mm -hmm. wants to listen to that podcast, it's an interview with him. It's really. A great podcast. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, let's see. And then those were the three costumes that I, I, Tim Drake and Nightwing and Batgirl that I went into. I didn't really get into the Joker or anything like that. Cool. Um, so I did. Cool. I did half my homework. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I'm a B student. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was a B like, student, so you're doing better than I am. Oh, cool. Um, let's see. So we did animation. Costumes, voice acting. Let's do voice acting. Who okay, had that? You me. had that, John? It's me. Uh, all right, I already talked a lot this week, so I'm going to make it quick. Um, mm. Speaking of not talking a lot, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Conroy doesn't say a lot in this episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kevin Conroy, as Derek said earlier to me before we started, Batman's the bad guy in this episode. Um, mm. Like Timmy, Bruce, or uh, yeah, Tim Drake even says, speak of the devil at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's very, very telling. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he has like a, a few narrative spiels where he talks about what's going on and he has a whole bunch of grunts, but that's it. Mr. <laughs> um, Joker. Yeah. So that, that's really, that's also what I was talking about in the lecture, how he becomes even more taciturn this, this season. Mm -hmm. Like everyone around him has dialogue, but he's just this center. Um, playing Tim is Matthew Valencia like an orange. Um, <laughs> his voice changes over the course of the series. And by the time Mystery of the Batwoman comes out, it's, it's much deeper. Like it's, it's deep voice. Um, I think he does a really good job with some of the emotional nuances here. And one of the interesting things about him playing Robin is the, the clip that I showed, he has to do that laugh at the end and he couldn't nail it they had to get a dub over because he Whoa. just could not, he couldn't do the laugh with the gravity that was it Was he needed. an actual child actor? Yeah, he's okay. actually a child actor. Um, At the time, I guess. I... Yeah, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty great. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to skip Dick for now because he's, he's the best one. <laughs> Sometimes we should skip Dick for now. <laughs> Um, Alfred is playing older in this episode and the whole season really. So Alfred like seems to be doing the whole pinch of the cheeks thing. Like, you know, he kind of like gains Jolly. weight and, and jowls in this season because three, through three years or however many years have passed. And I feel like Mark Hamill is making the Joker even crazier. Like he's degraded mentally as the series goes on. And actually here's an interesting fact. In, in Return of the Joker, um, Andrea Romano had to tell him for the first time to rope it in because he was just too over the top. He was too crazy and, and unrecognizable. Um, Batgirl was Tara Strong. At this, at this time, yeah, I love Tara Strong. Um, at this time, she was, she was known as Tara Scharendorf, which I might be saying that wrong. She's actually my favorite of the Batgirl voices. Uh, I like her over Melissa Gilbert. Half pint. Um, <laughs> uh, 
she's more relatable and friendly, but I think she's more competent at the same time. I believe her more that she can like kick ass. Um, and on a completely unrelated sort of note, um, I think the reason why I hated the Killing Joke so much, the recent film, the movie. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to hate it, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the primary reason is that Tara Strong happens to play Batgirl in it. Uh -huh. And it ruined oh. everything for And you. it was like, God, this is, first off, not the same character, and secondly, written so poorly mm -hmm. that, yeah, anyway, so that, that was not great. Yeah. Great side there. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Um, Connor, who is the guy Ian with the Buchanan. wallet, is Ian Buchanan. Buchanan. Uh, you know, I kept listening to it, and, and I didn't realize, first off, that he was from General Hospital. Yes, secondly, I'm sorry, I couldn't <laughs> I didn't realize at first, and then finally, when I looked it up, it occurred to me that it's Dick from Twin Peaks, which is... <laughs> what? Yep. There yep. was a oh bunch God. of people who Mind has blown. exploded just now Yep. From that. Yeah. Yep. Mind I was dead. not one because I have not gotten to that point. So he's different, right, from like the usual like East Coast blue collar accent that we get with baddies in Batman, and I, I think that the reason why is because... I think we want to hear a kind of distinguished voice for being the the bad guy that broke the camel's back for Robin. Um, and Dick kind of does that. And when I say Dick, I mean Dick as in Lucy's boyfriend. Lucy's <laughs> <laughs> um, But speaking of an, another Dick. <laughs> this is just... I, it's, I, it's a Dick of police. Should I say Richard? <laughs> Should I say Richard? No, he's no. Dick Grayson. They call him Dick in a show. His name is Dick. I'm going to call him Dick. Ma Master Dick, yeah. Yes. Well, you have to say Master Dick. From Master Dick. Master no. Dick. Lauren Lester. Yes. Master Dick. <laughs> so Sam, Lauren Lester said that... that um, Lauren Lester. Yeah, snap, Lauren snap, Lester. Snap, snap, snap. He's the last voice I did. Um, you can really tell the difference between Nightwing and Robin. Mm. In this episode, Robin is way more upturned. Like, he's way more optimistic and funny. Nightwing is not funny. Um, this was actually Lauren Lester's favorite episode because he really got to stretch his wings, so to speak. Um, I just realized something, and I can't believe that I forgot to mention this. What? <laughs> I forgot to mention the mullet. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nightwing you dropped the ball on that one. You were talking about that for, like, no, weeks. We've been talking about it in the audience for a while. Yeah. yeah. Nightwing has a mullet. All right. Well... <laughs> But because we were, because of also, I what made me think of it is because I always thought of the mullet as like a, a character, like a, a sig signifier of growth, literally, and uh, how time had passed. And a, a way to show that time had passed was to give him a mullet. Well, and he's supposed to be like way more badass. And yeah. I guess they were like, give him a mullet. <laughs> Wait, what? People are talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No. When I think of mullet, I think of fish. Oh, yeah. Oh, um. Paul Dini, Paul Dini called it the last mullet. <laughs> I'm It's a bunch of crickets. Um, what's that? Paul Dini called it the last mullet on television. Well, and it's also, it's his cape. But what right? He sheds his cape, yeah. but he grows his mullet. Yeah. You know? 
So one one little side. It helps to have beautiful. There's no way that you guys so understand. I appreciate that beautiful. audience. Side it's note: It was that was your girlfriend who laughed for you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just teasing. Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce. Oh, you laughed. Yeah, Beyonce. Oh, uh, Beyonce. And Megan. Sorry. Um, I was like, what, Beyonce? <laughs> uh, Beyonce is here in the audience. She's so. a, she's like, oh, no, huge Batman fan. Um, anyway, I don't and think lemonade. the mullet could actually be used in emergency situations. <laughs> but that's just me. like Batgirl's hair, you know? That's I know. I, I, had one. I had one in the mullet. 80s. Yeah, so All right. So, sorry. Keeps. Sorry went on a mullet fucking rabbit hole. Oh, we dropped an F-bomb. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. 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 We're not supposed to curse. John. So, one more, one more sentence. Um. I'm hung over, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And Jesus that's the title Christ! Of this episode. <laughs> Blame it on that. Alcohol. Our last roundtable was so tight too. Yes. <laughs> Our la- that, and it was like we probably the only really tight one. We were so good last week. Yeah. That's what she said. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't oh, make sense. I, I can't believe you said that. All right. God. So he said, Lauren Lester. Voice acting. Voice acting. Robin, Lauren Lester. Lauren Lester said that Andrea Romano said to him, "Bad news. You can't play Robin anymore." Good news, you have to play Nightwing. And that was like the best news he ever got in his creative career. And he said that his mother is the biggest Nightwing fan in the world. I hope she dresses up as Nightwing at cons. I heard she does. (laughs) Shut up, really? No, I made that up. And I'm done. That's pretty great, though. Nightwing's a honk. He is, is, until you start banging an alien. That coriander named after a spice. Not even one of the good ones. Or an R.A.M. song. I don't know who that is. Pretty hard. I'm moderating, and I say you continue and stop talking about things. I'm done. I've got nothing else. I'm done. (sighs) What's What's next, Beth? Wait, did Cassian's voice acting animation? Uh, Let's do feminism. April. No. Um. All right, I, I have some issues here with yes, uh, yeah. Barbara's character. And I have to, like, kind of I love you. realize no, that this is a three-year time jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm going to go and we'll kind of bring this back full circle with um, the costumes. Perfect. Um, so we see Barbara in three different, no, well, technically four different stages of dress she's wearing a slinky little black very co- short skirt for a graduation like, yeah, yeah, for a graduation short. um it's like short. it's, it's, it's a little short. black dress you yeah. know, that's yeah. the trope little like, black dress trope sweetheart neckline yeah strapless, she and, and she's slinky and yeah. you know um i think course. i saw her ass cheeks hanging out <laughs> actually i question that but i, I think i, I don't know <laughs> that probably brings me to the second um stage of her undress okay. or redress um when she's in a negligee getting out of bed oh when somebody's coming to her apartment yeah. three o'clock in the morning 314 three, oh 314 yeah. oh my god that's pie yes it yeah. is. oh my god that's what it is mm-hmm. damn it i knew it was something because barbara's <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm gonna let that slide because it made me laugh. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we get to see this, her in her like 
her, I was going to say post schoolgirl drag. Yeah. Because she's got like the tiny little skirt. And no like one the, like, wears the, pleated uh, skirts after they have to go to Catholic school. <laughs> yeah. Unless they are into Japanese businessmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to her and her. Batgirl outfit, which you know, are a suspension of disbelief or whatever. But yeah. where the hell did she get her costume when she was in the yes. Batcave? Yes. I mean, I just, I, I well, I if we want to go to the the original old wound storyline from the comics, come on, you guys don't know about this one. No, no I don't. Gonna, well, they, how there was combat? like, oh, oh my god, did there, he well, have one there's in a ro- romantic triangle between Batman. Don't oh, don't jump, yeah. don't jump it, don't We're jump not, it, don't yeah, jump yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't get to that yeah, part yeah. yet. Sorry, I go. was leading off Sorry. with the, the Sorry. outfits. I was just saying that's probably how because her I was going to call it Four Shades of Barbara. <laughs> oh, okay, go, go. Sorry, just pretend you didn't hear me. Do no, a no, time, it's time. too late. It's too late. Clock king, it all. clock king it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so we we get to see her in these four stages um, of her persona. I would expect, um, and. We go back to like the earlier episodes where she's kind of like this, you know, the schoolgirl who, you know, is trying to get approval from daddy. And now she's trying to get approval from daddy. Um, Bat daddy. Bat, you want shit. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah, basically, she's her, her uh, motivation is based in a male character. Exactly. Yeah. It's to please, first of all, um, she's with, with Dick. And they have, like, in the interim in these three years that have, like, transpired that we are unprivy to um, somehow develop some kind of relationship independent of their nightlife, quote-unquote. And then we bring it back to her, like, in an adult kind of setting where, you know, she's, we have to recognize that she's sexy. She's she's literally the object of a male gaze. Um and you know it's kind of it, it was kind of disturbing in a way because again, even with all of the adult themes and everything that's happening, it's still a show that's geared towards kids, you know. And mm-hmm. to have like a female, and it's one of those weird situations where you have sex is more acceptable and I mean, or less acceptable in violence, but titillation is on par with the violence too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they work in conjunction, and it's very problematic. And when you think about it, where society is now in terms of aggression towards females is very indicative of what we see here. Whether or not it's in- incidental or not can be debated, but it's it's there. So um, that was like the first um, kind of uh, thing that jarred me as I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And there was a, like a throwaway line where they talk about um, cleaning out the fridge where Dick gives like this lame excuse about, you know, he, you know, because he's trying to navigate his two different lives without being fully honest with um, Barbara about what he does. And that's neither here nor there. But the fact that they use fridge, it made me think of like the Gail Simone women in refrigerators. And I think there's like maybe a thinly veiled reference to that. Oh, really? Um, I hope not. I hope not. Well, it does because it harkens back to the killing joke. Yeah. Where Barbara is shot in the back, uh-huh. and she ceases to be Batgirl. Yeah. But in the interim, as that story like kind of progresses into like the the canon, she becomes Oracle, and to me, that's the best Barbara Gordon. Oracle is like the mm-hmm. best character yeah. in DC that they've had in the last twenty five years. 
I just want to specify that when I say that I don't like Batgirl, I don't mean Oracle. No, and that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing about it. It's like, it's like for me, and well, I, I have a whole lot of stuff, but I'll, I'll just mm-hmm. like jump it yeah. because it, it correlates. Um, she ceases to desire the opinion and the. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, acceptance, approval, approval yeah, yeah, of uh, her male colleagues, and she becomes the most important and like powerful character in the DC because she's yeah. an information specialist. Yeah, and it goes back to her whole library thing, and it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah. to me, that she's and her own been, her own identity. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. So, um, like these are the threads that you know I'm bringing to it with my own knowledge of this character becomes and how she comes to being and i'll just like top this off because it's like i have like i said a whole bunch of crap but um there's this weird like correlation between her relationship with dick and bruce's relationship with selena that's like kind of flip-flopped like when they're in that that uh the restaurant and you know she's kind of like being saucy with him it's kind of similar to how catwoman and batman were relating to one another in their nighttime life and here it's kind of reversed in that they're in their daytime lives they're younger versions of maybe those two characters Mm -hmm. and there's like some gray area that comes into play when you come up with that that episode where um catwoman and bad girl have an adventure together Mm -hmm. and catwoman is an amazing mentor Mm-hmm. To her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Catwoman, it actually like compliments her. Oh yeah, and gives her yeah, yeah gives her props. Gives, yeah, which yeah. she doesn't get a lot of. From you know, I I have to say like all the bros. I have to say when I say I love Batgirl, I mm-hmm. should say Barbara. I love Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. because I yeah. think I think Barbara Gordon goes through many stages, as you said. But I also think that where Bruce Wayne's career as Batman is a terminal one. He can only go so far because he's so effed up. Barbara Gordon can go a lot further and can become the perfect superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So thank you, April. Uh, let's move on to duality. Ooh, that's mine. Yeah. 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 Yay. All right. So I am uh, I'm chomping at the bit here. Uh, that was amazing, April. It blew my mind. So yeah, that was, um, thank you. That was yeah. I'm not going to blow anyone's mind the way that April did. So I'm just going to go ahead and say I that. Know. I was like, you kind of yeah. set the bar here. Yeah, that was, was like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Derek didn't blow something else. Well, yeah. <laughs> wow, it's the last okay. week. It's, it's getting cheeky. <laughs> so PG-13, everybody. So at this point, uh, Batman's a fully formed character. Duality, I think, ceases to be a major theme in Old Wounds. And I'm going to argue that it, instead of a, a, a dual system, it argues that the show's structure is for a triangle. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, we see this at first with, um, we see Robin, we see Nightwing, and we see the bad guy. We see Batman, Nightwing, and, uh, or Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. We see, you know, um, uh, groupings of threes consistently. So it got me thinking and kind of digging back. I think they're making an argument not about two equal and opposite sides, but for what happens and what's the cost of trauma. So I think the first sort of narrative structure it builds on is the melodramatic triangle. 
So the melodramatic triangles it postulates that you have to first have a villain, that villain has to have a victim, and then based upon the villain having a victim, there's now space for a hero to right that wrong. So I think that's the first loose structure. When I say melodramatic, think like back to like mustache twirling villain. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that villain who wants to like tie up, you know, a damsel in distress so a cowboy can come in and save them. So I think that structure is there, but it's very loose. So digging deeper, uh, I'm going to harken back to one of uh, the, the old schools, uh, Sigmund Freud. So Sigmund Freud was a man that, that postulated in threes a lot. So you have the id, ego, and superego, right? So you have the three areas of, uh, of psychoanalysis of the mind. And then beyond to the pleasure principle, he postulated uh, that in every act of violence, there are three people traumatized. The first person would be the victim, sort of like the melodramatic triangle, who feels the brunt of the violence. So that is, we'll take one scene for instance, that's the sort of security guard. He's feeling the brunt of the violence. Then there's a, the other person traumatized, which is the person doing the violence. So by doing a violent act, you yourself are fragmenting and hurting your own uh, psyche. Then lastly, there is the, the witness to the violence. So if we look at that scene, then we would have the witness being um, the little child. Mm. And because the character Dick Grayson has grown in violence and has grown in trauma and grew up as a kid who experienced it, he can't himself be a witness to the violence that, that Batman is, is doing. And that ends up being the, the, like the, the straw that broke the camel's back there, um, in which that he ultimately ends up saying, no, he's going to go away. So Freud has another theory that in dealing with trauma, there's always the hidden feeling. This is also another triangle. So there's the hidden feeling, the complex that you can't deal with, and there are two ways in general to protect it, and that is to either defend that hidden feeling by saying things don't change, or you know, like nothing changes, or to feel anxious about it. I can't talk about it. I'd love to share it with my girlfriend like he does with Barbara, but I'm so anxious, I'm a nervous wreck, I can't actually do it that only when you can break down these defenses and actually talk about the hidden feeling, e.g., my parents died, I grew up in a, in a culture of violence, I have now become the thing that I always didn't want to be, which is a violent actor, but I have to struggle with this like super ego telling me that I must be a hero, I can't just go out and hurt people. Once he talks about it, at the very end, Nightwing is able to embrace this world and then come back to Batman, which is coming back and like kind of dealing with his inner uh, sort of reverse edible complex. So I don't think duality is the, the major theme. Now there's a, uh, another theory. There's the Karpman drama triangle that also says that there is a persecutor, there is uh, a power, and the, the persecutor who represents power. There's the rescuer who represents responsibility and the victim who represents vulnerability. So I think the Cartman drama triangle is, is a way to understand through the way that we act out human drama to kind of come to grips with the fact that we all feel pain. So I feel like this episode is about the pain of Nightwing. And it's about the pain of Nightwing as a fully fleshed, formed adult who is dealing with the fact of coping with his life of violence and his life of pain and his life with dealing with it. So I don't think duality is really there uh, strongly anymore. And I think that's because Batman, though... So here's the other fun part. 
totally a, a kind of rant, like ranting. All of these triangles are, are not static. They're fluid. So at certain points, uh, you know, we see Nightwing acting out violence. So if we take this theory to be true, he is hurting someone else who's been victimized. He himself is victimized. And then there's the other witness, which is now Tim Drake's Robin. So in many ways, the way that we deal with and act out trauma is to kind of replicate it. And uh, I think this episode kind of plays with that, that theme in a really fun and really interesting way and a really like adult way. You know, like they don't hold back about how like, you know, messed up this is. At one point, you know, Nightwing says to Tim Drake's Robin, this is a kind of a messed up childhood. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like he's yeah. just like, this is all insane. You know, and he's, you know, dealing with the fact that he can't forgive his father figure because of all of the violence that they did together in the name of trying to stop violence. And like, it, it is this cool, like maddening, you know, like act of threes happening. And also in seeing Tim Drake also fight the muggers by himself in the yeah. beginning is right. really disturbing. You're yeah. like, why is this okay? That, I mean, cause he's obviously, I mean, with, with Dick Grayson, it was always like, well, he's, you know, senior in high school, going to college, then he's in college. Like, it right. doesn't seem... But Tim Drake is definitely a, a child. Out there, like, on his yeah. own. And, on and his it's own. A, like, what's Batman? Why is that okay with Batman? And it's also threes. It's him and yeah. two bad guys. And then he knocks one bad guy out, then it's oh. him, a bad guy, and Nightwing. I could yeah. totally yeah. see, like, Dick Grayson seeing that going down. Right. He's like, Batman's not even here. What an asshole. Yeah. And yeah. Joke, Joker's group. It's him <laughs> and two henchmen. Yeah, it is. You know, oh, so yeah. the whole thing is about triangles. Mm -hmm. And, and they, are, they are not and static. Dick, they're... they're, they're Bruce kind of flowing. Barbara. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dick says to, to Barbara, you think you volunteered, mm -hmm. but he manipulated you. Mm -hmm. You know, it, that's that's kind of the crux of it. Yeah. You're trying to disagree with a lot of things you should say. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always the center, but, you know, I'm, I'm a Libra. I'm so. getting. BSG flashbacks. Right I know. Now. No, it's, it's not in a disrespectful way, but just a oh, different, sure. yeah, no, um, yeah. a different perspective, Dif and yeah. that it's Dick's inability to deal with duality that gives him in a situation where he comes to. Mm -hmm. um, he has to lie <laughs> to Barbara about who he is. Yes. He's not Bruce. You know, he he grew up in the face of watching his parents die in a horrific way, which kind of harkens back to uh, the uh, Robin's Reckoning um, two-parter right. in, was that first season or second season? Something. Somewhere earlier on in the show. The and, Emmy Award-winning yeah, Robin's Reckoning. And yeah. that was a, a time where Batman was pulling him back. Right. Trying to prevent him from being, you know, tainted by his own sense of vengeance and not justice. Um, but I totally Dick, agree with that. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's yeah. it. I yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. Unlike, yeah. unlike Bruce, Dick has had this, this opportunity to go to college, to interact with people outside of their circle and to form healthy relationships. But his night job interferes with those healthy relationships that he has. And I think this is his breaking point is where he sees Batman is so focused on his mission and it completely takes him from the, the core of who he is. He's not the guy that's holding Dick back from trying mm -hmm. to kill Tony Zuko. 
He's no. a guy no. who's yeah. going into, like, he's crashing through some dude's house, terrorizing this man in front of his family, making this, this kid's son cry in front of him. Batman is pretty much the villain in this episode. I, 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 don't, I don't see any of that, like, yeah. irreconcilable with what I'm saying. That, like, I yeah. totally agree No, with it's, it's like you yeah. said there's no duality going on here, but... There is duality going on here. Well, my, my point is, is you know, so what's the catalyst there for, for Robin, Dick Grayson in that? What, what makes him say, my God, we can't actually rough up this bad guy. It's the witness. Because it's he's that child, kid. Right? Yeah. And he's so, that kid who see, he sees his parents exactly. die. And so he, he, is, he is bent. So in the triangular form, he is the witness to the violence, as is that kid. So they, they're both seeing that, that act of violence. The kid is crying, and he says, hold on, my superego is kicking in. We're crossing a line here that I'm not comfortable with. And <laughs> Go ahead, yes. you just did. <laughs> yes, he wants to be the witness in this triangle. He is in the same position as the witness, but he recognizes in this moment this is what makes him change, this is what makes him fall out with Batman. He realizes he is the perpetrator. He is villain. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so he wants to be in that witness position, but he is also part of what is causing this this violence and against this other person. I yeah. totally agree. He's exactly. been desensitized well, yeah. up until this point. I don't I don't I don't know yeah. where the, the conflict is coming in the debate though that we're having here. That yeah. is no conflict. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're all on the same page. No, it's just like yeah. you said that there's no duality like present in this episode. Now, this well, is like let, me, kind of... let me amend it. I don't think it's the main theme. I oh. think it's about no, of threes. Not. I think it's about threes rather than twos. The, no, it's, duality know? isn't a, well, linguistically speaking, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but duality represents two warring parts of yourself. Well, and in the show, duality is about Batman reconciling with Batman and reconciling with Bruce Wayne or reconciling with a villain. Right, so that entire theme is not present in this. I think you it's know? difficult to have duality in this season, particularly because there's just more people. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's so mm -hmm. many bit players in this in this mm -hmm. season. It's you can say the duality of being a witness versus a perpetrator, mm -hmm. and rejecting being the perpetrator, and then having to come to a more like Wonder Woman conclusion that like, yeah, there is like good and bad in all yeah. people, and, and okay. Batman is a little bit Tony Zuko. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm done. Wow, getting that was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean nobody like what I said. No, I, I totally agree with what you said. All right, let's move on to uh, feminism. Oh, no, wait, we did, we did a bit of feminism. feminism. Did, uh, mental sorry, mental illness. Yeah, because yeah, actually, like, because I. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then after we do that, we're going to, like, uh, do questions from the audience. Yes, because uh, like I was keeping quiet because I thought you raised a lot of interesting points because I've had mental illness slash mental health uh, this week and I didn't feel that this episode had so much of like a crystallized moment of like mental health, mental illness, like a, you know, a, you know, our armchair diagnosis moments. It's more of a long arc of like, so what's going on with Batman? And um, like, unlike most of you, but um, Beth, this is the first time you've watched the fourth season, you were saying, during mm -hmm. a break. So this is my first time, of course, watching the fourth season because it's the first time I'm watching the whole damn series. But um, I don't know if that counts as a swear. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's in the sorry, Bible. So you know, that's cool. That doesn't count as a swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I knew this was coming, I knew that original Robin was gone and I had seen that this episode was coming up like 
some crap must have gone down. This is going to be such an amazing messed up episode because this has definitely been a darker season overall. Um, as we discuss, you know, higher risks, like more on-screen violence, um, more trauma, children being eaten, you know, cats marrying dogs, <laughs> just madness. <laughs> you know, baby dolls marrying crocs or crocs. <laughs> Cats and dogs living yeah, together. It got weird. It got super weird. Got weird. <laughs> the lion will lay this down with true. the lamb. I, I hate that episode. Yeah. So, just because of that disturbing yes. relationship. Yes. I can't do it. Yeah, because so for this episode, so I'm like, okay, some stuff's going to go down. Yeah. It really didn't in the way I was expecting it to, though. It honestly played out more of like a father-son tale mm-hmm. of the son growing up mm-hmm. and seeing the life he's been raised into and maybe officially or unofficially expected to to assume and continue with at some point and realizing I've you know I see an issue with this I have my own set of values now I have problems with how you are acting it kind of almost felt like a crystallization of, I don't know how many of you remember what? the trailer of Varsity it's Blues fine. from the mid 90s and all I could see was like James Vanderbeek saying I don't want your life <laughs> 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 That was the person in this episode. He's just looking right at back and saying, I don't want And I think he had to come to his own, uh, I mean, because he came, you know, to Batman, like to Bruce Wayne as a child. They both had that similar instance where you had this amazingly traumatizing episode of seeing your parents, like, essentially murdered in front of you. And then trying to raise him in a way that would put him on a better path, that would put him on the side of uh, righteousness, so to speak, or Batman's version of righteousness. So there was that. But then, you know, of course, seeing how sometimes Batman can go too far and doing my research, bless you, into this, uh, we saw how in the comics, Robin was kind of conceived as to be the opposite to Batman. He was the light to Batman's dark, and he mm-hmm. was supposed to be the optimism. So, and you see that with Told Tim more Drake. Jokes and yes, stuff like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you see that with Tim Drake in the Never Fear episode with the Scarecrow, where he, uh, you know, where Batman literally is going too far. He's ready to torture mm-hmm. somebody into death. It just doesn't care at that point. And Tim Drake. Another disturbing yes. child endangerment. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, really is. Sad. It really is. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at him like, this season, I was like, really? <laughs> I have yeah, done yeah. any of this yeah. in the previous one. They had some moments where they were like, "It was the last season." We were just no. That's bad. actually part of the censor uh, yeah. for children's television. Exactly. You can't put a child. Yeah, child endangerment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look yeah. what happens to Tim Drake. Mm. No. Yeah. I mean, all oh, that is so. But technically, that, that wasn't television. Yeah. That was DVD. True. Yeah. But it counts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's true. And they did release apparently a very heavily edited version of that. And then they were like, okay, let's release uh, all of the crap there, which is incredibly insane. Um, So there's that. But then at the same time, I think, um, you know, Dick Grayson comes to his own, you know, uh, I guess, reconciliation of this. Like, this is the life he was raised into. And this is like, he becomes Nightwing. Like, he doesn't completely eschew the life he was raised in. He doesn't just decide, like, I'm going to work in a bank and I don't care about this anymore. He doesn't even become a police officer. He's He's got all of those sick. Uh, circus monies. It, he does. In. He has a trust fund. He's, he has a circus trust fund. You know, he's just rolling in. My and... old man. <laughs> my trust fund. Yeah. My circus trust fund. Oh man, that never gets old. I also love that he can identify a gorilla from his childhood on site. That was yes. one of my favorite things. Where he's like peaches. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Please tell me about your life. Sorry, that was a <laughs> <laughs> We're t- 
talking about circus trust funds here. <laughs> like I said, there are very many experiments. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I saw this. Yeah, this episode was more like it's more like a father son dynamic, and him coming to his own, like realizing like kind of the man he wants to be. It was a seminal, you know, a moment in his life. He said, like, hey, "Graduated." Yes, mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> All for Dick's sake. Yes. Oh, yes. damn, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. I set that up really well. You did. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that. so, that's yes. a different part of the body though. so he becomes Nightwing but I guess on his own terms he's operating on so I imagine like his little business cards he's like I won't you know bust you up in front of your kids and not on date nights so I'm yeah. like you're so mad. I'm out with Barbara we're doing at least he knows his limits he does he's got his limits <laughs> He had to create his own identity from this, and like, yeah. and I think that's a very traditional uh, aspect of growing up. And you can say that's definitely part of psychology. You know, mm-hmm. sit on the couch. It's kind of like what Tina Fey's character says in <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She's like, all comes back to the parents. So, you know? <laughs> so I, and I think this episode uh, clearly demonstrates that. Um, we could also just talk about the fact, like, you know, where Batman stands as a character. Because I've wondered, is, is he really just? A sociopath who maybe from his own upbringing, his privilege, his money, realized like, okay, networking is key because we <laughs> talked about how, like, how is he that much different from Catwoman? Whereas Catwoman, like, you know, gets arrested, is sentenced, where, but they're basically doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And in April's episodes, um, you realize like they are literally doing the same thing, yeah. the same methods. Yeah. And at the end, like, he's reading the paper, he's like, oh, they're calling you a hero. So it's like because we were doing the same thing. If she were operating, <laughs> I think I just killed April. I'm sorry. <laughs> Like we'll miss her. Right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that thing it's like is Batman just like see that bad, but he realizes like, hey, if I'm friends with the commissioner, I can get away with a hell of a lot more crap. Like, you know, it's just allying yourself with these people, or does it show like there's still that strain of like admiring goodness in him because he is friends, like he you know, Alfred is his father figure. He's friends with Commissioner Gordon, he's friends with his daughter. <clears throat> And essentially still wants to be separate from the villains, but he really walks up to that line a mm. lot. So where does well, it, you know? Well, I think at the core of it <laughs> yeah. with him is he has abandonment issues. Yes. Oh, so, that yeah, is the core. That's, that is you his know, So trigger. he's not going to really, yes. like, you know, connect. And yes. as anyone. someone with abandonment issues, I can tell you, um, you reject yeah. people before they have the chance to reject you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think there's... And even if, like, like with his parents, went, yeah. yeah, they were murdered in front of him. But it's still, like, in psychology, though, like, if you have a death of a parent in your childhood, you still see that as abandonment. Yeah. Like, psychologically. Yes. It doesn't, it's not, yes. like, whatever. But, exactly. Yeah. No, that's true. So, I think we More saw, Freud. Yes. More Freud. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was good. So I really thought um, it was interesting you brought up kind of like the reverse edible complex there because right. it really Can I get really a clarification was. exactly on what a reverse edible complex is? Although because, yes, Daddy there is the murder of the mother. So yeah. The murder of the father for the mother. Yeah. So, it, and, you know, instead of wanting to kill the father <laughs> to take possession right, of the I'm mother, he wants to kill the father <laughs> so that he can take possession of himself. It's called an electric complex. Oh, that's damn. True, but that's what the dog is. Oh, oh yes. that's yes. why you go to like Oh, I write notes during this shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do write notes during the daughters, isn't it? Like, the panel. So I can make that's the daughter mommy issues. notes yeah. of my nonsense yeah. when I'm daughter, daughter daddy. So Barbara Gordon. 
Yeah. She's got serious that electric really complex. Really electric complex. Yes. I can't you know. even eat She this wrote Electra on her notebook. I Wait, thought she was talking about Carmen Electra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I spelled it with a C instead of a K. You did. Oh, that makes it Hence great. my confusion. That makes it great. Right. Well, you want to go to questions? I'm no good at spelling. Yes. yes. Yeah. Let's go Let's to questions. Go. Let's go to questions. Megan what a surprise. Is like, there are none. I don't have any. I don't have any. Oh. Megan, any questions? Go for it. Marisa. They have questions. Oh, cool. Yes, That's even better. No, I'm not into it. Next. No, just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Would you like a microphone for this? Yeah. Do you want a mic? You want a mic? Yeah, I'll bring a mic. Come on, yeah. bring a mic. Come on up. It's uh, like I the price the is off. right, but we don't give out anything. Yeah. That's it. Oh, he is. Oh, God. He is super handsome. It should handsome. be a much taller mic, like a long. Skin no, yes. because short people don't need taller mics. Yeah. <laughs> I see you're wearing a hello there shirt. Is that from Batman Returns? It's Just kidding. Not. I got it because it fits. Oh, oh. I, that's, that's a even great better. way to buy clothes. That let me is. tell you. Yeah, short people problems. Short people <laughs> problems. I can attest to those. So, what did you want to add? So with Batman, mm -hmm. I see him more as a predator. Ooh, he, yeah. He, um, he preys on. The, uh, the Robin characters. He's got PTSD. He witnessed his parents being killed, so he wants mm -hmm. someone that is going through that same kind of thing. So that's he gets Dick Grayson, who you know, <laughs> he gets Dick. He gets Dick. You know, uh -huh. yeah. Um, who witnesses his parents, you know, falling into their death or whatever. So they have that in common. And I think that Batman just kind of preys on that. He needs that to keep going. Um, and then, you know, when Dick Grayson goes and he gets, who is it, Tim Drake? Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same kind of thing. And then Jason Todd, and then, well, Damien's a little different, but. That's his actual but son. Yeah, yeah. It gets really bit, freaky. I don't like him. After the Grant Morris. Uh, yeah, Damien's Morrison. a little. No, He's a little funny. shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, uh, no, I actually have funny. something to say What's about that? that. Okay. Surprise. But, um, I think it's not so much that he preys on um, these young men. Wink, wink. Um, well, I mean, that he's looking for like okay. <laughs> to take under his wing the same kids who experience like similar or the same trauma that he has, and he surprise he identifies with them. He can identify. He can empathize with that pain that, and he knows what it because he's older than them, so he knows what that does to a person over a period of time. And I think in his own like warped sense of morality, wants to compensate for that by guiding them into a positive. Like we go back to Robin's reckoning. If Dick knew where to find this guy, killed his parents, he would have committed something that was against his nature, which is murder, and that scars you. Despite what you know, you know lady power or men's power or like getting revenge on people if you take someone's life that that bears on your soul forever mm -hmm. and i think he wants to spare them from that mm -hmm. so i don't think he's a predator in that sense yeah but he is a massive manipulator absolutely 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 so that's yeah. just all i have to add to that yeah and you know i'd say like like batman he is what makes him compelling to me as a character is that he is both a hero and a villain simultaneously. 
and he can walk that line and not ironically, he's not an anti-hero. He's not like a Tony Soprano that we're not supposed to like, but somehow we do. Like we're this supposed to like, you know, uh, Batman. And, uh, you know, so I think the idea of thinking of him as predatory, like looking at the lens of his like psychologically and physically and mentally abused son, adopted son is, is an interesting lens to put on it. You know, and I think, you know, Nightwing needs to come to grips with the fact that Sorry. Batman is both his protector and both fucked him up, like, yeah. royally, you know? Yeah. like mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But also... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, does anybody... Because I know in the animated series, Tim Drake and Jason Todd's origin story are, are kind like of, yeah, mixed mixed up. Yeah. yeah. So what is Tim Drake's official... Because I feel like his origin story is more like Jason Todd well, in Tim the Drake animated actually, series. Like, in mm -hmm. in the comic book, he lives next to Wayne Manor, and he's he's father. like super detective and finds Bruce, uh, out Bruce Wayne's identity, right? Yeah, That's how but, it yeah. And he, okay. he he's has an a actual family. he's a natural detective. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That's why to me Tim that's is always what, been that's the best Robin. Is, yeah, that's what I think is really interesting about Tim Drake because he doesn't have this like childhood trauma right. that yeah. Dick Grayson and Jason Todd have. He just likes my, Batman a lot. Do you yeah. know who my favorite Robin is? Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Uh, Carrie Kelly is yes. a good Robin. I love her. Yes. Although, I'm going to put a little push in there for Stephanie Brown, too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but yes. was she Robin? She De facto, I don't know. See, all right, I got like this whole right, spiel about like Stephanie right, Brown. Right, right, right. We'll get into like <laughs> somewhere else. Any other questions from any other come thoughts? On, anybody want to add? On, we want to nerd out. You got to nerd out with us. I got one. All right. Okay. One dollar. One dollar. I've always wanted to bid a dollar. Yeah. I've always wanted to bid a dollar. I don't know. Hey, there's a time and place to bid a dollar. Though. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, you have to come forth. Right? So <laughs> yeah. Later. No, you got to be the okay, last one. So like, what would you? Like, right. Let me tell you about another man that comes from the sky. Another man. Let me tell you about a man. A man with a message. <laughs> no, this is John. This is about sort of your point about that. Things changing in the final season. I've never seen this run of episodes. I watched the original run when on Fox, was it? When I was yeah. younger. And I haven't seen any of these episodes. This is 97, so this is maybe two years out from Combine, two years out from Ooh, the Buffy episode, yeah. Earshot, yeah. two years out, three years out maybe from, oh, which I Buffy. thought the clip you showed of Return of the, Revenge of the Joker, Return of the Joker. Yeah, and the Joker. Didn't they censor that? When they get shot, they so, like, did, but I did not show the censor. Uh, but the, yeah, no. But the thing I'm seeing is when I'm watching this episode that you're showing me now from '97. There's just a lot of gunfire. Yes, yeah. there is. I don't remember there being anywhere mm -hmm. near that level of gunfire in like the original run of episodes. They had guns. Did they shoot a lot? They did. Yeah. I don't they remember. Yeah. Like machine guns, it's like Tommy guns. They had so Tommy guns. That is a really good question. That's an excellent question, actually. The the gunfire in in the original first three seasons. It had to be stylized. Mm -hmm. So they always use Tommy guns. They always use non, uh, you know, like, they used anach anachronistic guns, basically. Tommy guns, anything like that. And if they didn't, they couldn't show shells dropping on the ground. That was, that was the... The rule. Well, I thought Tommy and Guns convenient specifically. For yeah. <laughs> for, no, um, for this show, because it's a 1930s, 40s pastiche show. Yeah. It's very um, 1930s detective. Like, it, it harkens back to Batman's origins. 
Now, growing up watching G.I. Joe, you didn't see um, shells. You saw, they were all lasers. Laser guns. It was yeah. all laser guns. Yeah. And the bad guys had red lasers and the good guys had blue razors. Yeah. Lasers. I said razors because I love edge weapons. Because you just want to go back to Battlestar Galactica. That's no, right. I hate Battlestar Galactica. So very much. Yeah, and you yeah, you never saw yeah, you never yes, saw or they yes. were android. It was it's same with like Transformers or whatever like you were into in the eighties. Violence has always been more acceptable than sex. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And it's I think that still rings true today, depending upon what your age demographic is, whether or not you're a Y or an MA or a PG thirteen or whatever. But sex like um John, you, you kinda allude to that in your lecture when you said that the sexual innuendos become more overt than they were when they were more subversive in an earlier episode. Yeah. Not really, because we're adults. Well, I was an adult when the show originally um, aired, but mm-hmm. um, but in, in particularly American culture, violence is way more acceptable than sex. And I think this show is very indicative of that. So when you see the Tommy guns, not a big deal because you don't see blood. You don't see the consequence of, of a gun. Um, you have an episode where Batman has his... Uh, Suit ripped off by overzealous Rajah Gul uh, disciples, and yet he's like it's deflecting it's racial whatever's um, <laughs> bouncing bullets off of his suit at the same time. It's like, all right, you know, what do you, what do you want me to say from this? It's like, you got super polymer outfit or whatever, and, you know, you, you got magnets in here that de- deflect bullets and lead and shit like that. No, I mean, it's, it's acceptable. Violence is always acceptable in American culture. Um, but if you show a nipple, then people are going to lose their shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I also think we live in a culture that fetishizes weapons and yeah. in particular yeah. firearms. Yeah. You know, and so, of course, the bad guys can just sit there and go gah, 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 like, like crazy, which I think is pretty consistent in the series. The bad guys have these never-ending magazines of, mm-hmm. of Tommy guns yeah. that just go, Grr, and like no one ever questions where do they get them, how do they get them. Mm-hmm. That That's never really a big, big plot point, and I think right. that's because we do live in a society that's just like guns and and like represent individualistic freedoms. Until there's a mass shooting. But two people get shot. No. Yeah, like well, actually, no. No, no, they're not allowed to see it. They do like, if anything, then they go like, uh, (laughs) like that. So (laughs) they do like, there's a groan that they have. Yeah. 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 Then they're like, Commissioner Gordon gets shot in an episode. However, they don't show him getting shot, and they don't say he gets shot. They say the ballistics report. Yes. Like it's yeah. CSI. But there's Gotham. also the League of Assassins when they use yeah. swords. They gas themselves to like prevent being questioned by Batman, and it totally <laughs> looks like they're dead. Like their eyes are all big, and then Batman goes, "They're permanently insane." By right, he like right. makes sure to yeah. say, "They're oh, they're permanently insane, and we'll never be able to interview them and get any information." But, I, I mean, I think <laughs> like, somebody, you're like, but they're okay, alive. they totally <laughs> no. look dead." But I mean, harkening back to week one, we see Two Face. Go in and yeah. we see him rob yeah. a, uh, a, yes. a bookie, and we yeah. see him 
walk in with his machine gun at the end and shoot and then he tits it oh, like yeah. upwards right. to hit yeah. that uh-huh. to me i feel like they found creative ways to say that like there's murder happening yeah. without mm-hmm. showing a it. lot of people died in that scene we just <laughs> yeah. didn't see it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, there's uh, a lot of fire in Batman the Animated Series. And yeah. one of the other things I heard the writers talk about is, yeah, we were allowed to have fire, but it was never started by a villain because they didn't want to promote uh, exactly. future fire Exactly, it couldn't be a part of it. Until, 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 until Firefly. Firefly. Yeah, Firefly. Which yeah. is like yeah. um, a part of Batgirl's origin story. Right. In the comics. But not here. But yeah. not when oh there's that creepy when like she goes and then Batman, <laughs> there's so many creepy Batman things. goes good girl oh <laughs> yeah I wasn't really into that, that was oh. it was gross it was super gross I have right. to mention like I don't know this is the uh, the compact scene which we talked about back in season one with yeah uh, <laughs> I love that you still think about that whenever you go to an ATM I do. and they're telling I me do. Like, every single time every time I put my pin in I think this is how Barbara figured it out she I used know. her compact. <laughs> I know, but that still didn't give the sequence because I told totally, like, really nasty true. I know because yeah, because like that was just like no. I I'm was like, so I'm pissed totally off when I saw her pack compact. I was like, shut the hell up. And I mean, on one but it doesn't like, make sense because there's still a thousand. And then like when she took it yes. out, the like the fleck lasers. I was like, give me a break. I know. <laughs> give me a break. Give me a break yes. for that. Can't there's part. no kick ass here. Give me a break. There's no. Oh I sure deserve it. Oh, no Carter. Do you want to add anything to the compacts? Oh uh, no, that was all. I okay. just appreciated well, yeah. that because we're talking about Batgirl. This is Batgirl. <laughs> we, we like, should. And I was like, God, we need to talk about the yeah the, the fact that the yeah because like, we have like different and her whoopee. Her how... whoopee was in her pack too. Yeah. Yeah. I love whoopee. She yes. brought her favorite stuffed animal to her first. Yes, of how exasperated we are with her that scene. I feel like it's levels of like what we feel about this. So that's all I agree. Agree. Good things going. Batman's outsider Batman kit when he goes. To um, I think it's it's in Perchance to Dream, and he just goes to the store. He's like, I want that grapple hook, and I want a flare gun and some flares. I was like, Yes, that's how Batman starts. Exactly. He goes to Home Depot. Yeah, he's like, Look, I need this and some zip ties. I wanted the guy to be like, You sure you don't want a gun? (laughs) No. No. Batman doesn't. I mean, Bruce Wayne doesn't use guns. Like, what are you gonna do with the flare gun? Like, what? Well, I guess in his in his utility belt. Anyway, I'm sad to know this, but that is like a scene in Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh. (laughs) And I just own you. I'm so glad you put yourself on blast there. Just think that is like Don Johnson and Melanie Griffin's daughter. I know. Yeah. <laughs> any any other questions? Home Depot is even okay. better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have no question, but I, I like to justify the compact as it's like a homage to like the Betty and Kathy King background. Oh, oh very oh, nice. nice. Very nice. Lipstick was a weapon, their compact yeah. was a weapon. Well, it was the yeah. 60s, and they were like playing That's very with James the, Bond, actually, when you was think it about earlier? it. Was yeah. it earlier? So like the Was it in the yeah, 40s? It was, it was the, yeah, it was the 40s. 50s? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, there's also like a whole opening sequence, The Rebel Without a Cause, that centers around the compact. So the compact for femininity is like, I get it. It's a huge, like, uh, symbol 
what what have you. <laughs> Mirrors but, and reflection. Um, but let me tell you, by the 90s, I was real tired of it. <laughs> I'm like, were you like 12? Yeah, I was yeah. woke as shit when <laughs> I was 12. Already <laughs> over it. Yes. Yes. See, it actually made me want to carry a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I it's it. it's Like, I can use this to fight... Androids. Yes. <laughs> oh, because you were a bionic woman. Yeah, exactly. No, you carry a magnifying glass. Everybody knows that. That's for ants. Uh, Sorry, now I want to see right. that girl. <laughs> First, apparently. Yeah, hold me right. Hold it's on. in Batman '68. No, 67. I thought it was the '60s. '61. I'm right. Boom. And I. Oh. No, that was. Feel best. That was. I'm awesome. right. How's that was feel? Barbara's first appearance. <laughs> Wait, Kathy Kane was the first. Kane. Oh, was you're saying first, Kathy Kane? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Kathy sorry. Kane. Yeah. Bat. You know what? The much maligned Bratman, Braven, um, the Braven of Bold. There's an <laughs> there's an episode with um Kathy Kane as Batwoman, and they do a body switch, and it is amazing. It is super awesome. I recommend you watch that if you don't watch anything yeah. else from the Batman. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. she's super lady loving yeah. and romancing. Oh, she's Renee woman now. Yeah. Montoya and Maggie Sawyer at the same time, <gasps> or in relatively deep, different times. Which, by the oh, way, I'm, Renee Montoya or originated on Batman the Animated Batman Series. The Full animated circle, John. Oh. oh, that's a beer. Hold on. John <laughs> <laughs> right. and right, I well, have Wonder Twin powers. Uh, I'm Zan and she's Jaina. Thank you, everyone, Wait, for coming what? out. I think we're going to, like, stop. Okay, we're stopping. Right. Bye. Peace out. Jazz hands. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone. Peace out. Yeah.